Kevin, thanks so much for coming on Programme Talks. It's really great to have you as a part of this. And uh, if you could just introduce uh, yourself and, uh, and the centres that you're representing today. Yeah, um, I'm Kevin Jackson. I'm the service lead for Oxfordshire Outdoors, and that comprises three centres. Uh, Kilvaroo Manor on Gower, Woodlands in the Brecon Beacons, and Yenworthy Lodge on the North Exmoor coast. Excellent. And they're three fantastic centres that during my time as NCS coordinator we use since uh, 2012. That's why I was really excited to be able to get you on today and talk about the value of the uh, the independent centres. But just give a uh, give the listeners a little bit of insight into uh, your background and how long you've been involved in the centres. Um, well, my background in outdoor education stems a long, long way. It goes back way back to the early 80s working in Birmingham, but uh, within Oxfordshire since 1997. And that's when I arrived to take over Woodlands. And uh, in 2006, I took over the service lead position as well, so managing all three sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. I didn't realise you. So you started at Woodlands and then transitioned yeah. to the Kilvery site? Yeah. Yeah, both of which are fantastic. Can you let everyone know where those centres are? Um, yeah, Kilvrew's on Gower, yeah. uh, which is just outside Swansea. Uh, Woodlands, just outside the Brecon Beacons National Park, the foot of the Black Mountains, mm. the village of Glazebury. And Yenworthy is on the North Exmoor coast. Yeah, so a bit so. of distance between the three for you to have oversight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of travelling, but uh, all worthwhile travelling. Yeah, and some great teams yeah. across those centres. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the the value of independent centres and what they bring to residential delivery. Well, the the first thing that it that really jumps out is the the fact that um, coming to a smaller centre means you have a bespoke course, mm. and um, for groups like NCS, they're not sharing with anybody. And that means that they can focus entirely on what they need to focus on, not worry about any peripheral stuff or other groups or managing other groups even. Um, so you've got your own space. You can design the course and the course content to suit what you want mm. and we'll deliver that with you. Mm. Um, and that, that's predominantly how we work. You know, We want all of our groups to give us their course aims yeah. and then we'll design the course content to suit what they those aims look like yeah I remember it was particularly great working with yourselves because we were able to have that communication around what the uh, the aspirations and goals of the NCS group coming to the site yeah. were and I believe um, back in the early days we we even provided uh, your staff with the the online NCS training kit yeah and they were able to really understand the kind of principles of NCS in advance of us coming which was really you know really useful I think for, for our staff and our experience, but also for your staff? Oh, definitely, because um, it's not, it wasn't just a jump up to dealing with 16-year-olds. You know, we're used to dealing with 16-year-olds in terms of school-based groups and sixth form groups and so on. What it meant was that the, um, the NCS programme, as it was coming live at that time, had its own very, very clear uh, and, and clearly identifiable aims and, and we needed to make sure that our staff team understood those. Mm. So that link was essential mm. so that we didn't get it wrong. Mm. And that was the key thing because we could have delivered a certain type of program which actually wouldn't have matched that. Mm. Um, and we didn't want to do that. And that's yeah. the advantage of small centres, I think. Yeah. It's not prescribed 
and mm. certainly not in Oxfordshire outdoors. Mm. Uh, we don't like to run prescribed courses. We want to make sure that what we're delivering is matched against that group's needs and, uh, and aspirations. So going back then, it was a two-way process and very important for our staff to pick up on what the, um, the NCS programme was all about not just one week but the four-week program in its entirety you know so that they could look at it and say right we're a part of this mm. as opposed to a one-off experience mm -hmm. and uh, and that was really valuable mm. and, and certainly the activities and the offer that you have at the centers is is right uh, in line with that level of challenge that the young people that we bring yeah. away with the 16 17 year olds require Talk, talk to me a little bit about the activities that the free sites offer. Well, the, <coughs> first of all, the, um, the level of challenge has to be pitched correctly. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that all 17-year-olds are going to be top-end rock climbers, canoeists or cavers. We've got to look at every individual and work out what their level looks like mm. and then see if we can push them a little bit further along the way so that they extend that. But typically, we use the natural environment. So all of our challenges are real. And that means canoeing on a river, going underground in a cave. It could be canoeing on the sea, rock climbing on a real rock face. Mm, so that mm. um, could be um, a cliff, a sea cliff, or an inland quarry cliff, mm. uh, and going up onto a mountain top as well. Yeah. So every bit of that process, every step of the way is going to be a challenge for those groups. Mm. And it's a, a level of challenge that's attainable. Nothing is beyond them. Yeah. Um, so it really then comes down to the individual saying, okay, I can do this. And with support from the NCS staff and ourselves, we can say, right, of course you can do this. Yeah. So let's go and do it. I think you raise a really good point there about the environment in which the activity is delivered as well. That really adds to the whole experience and, yeah. and the challenge factor. Say, like a, on, on the cliff fronts down at, near the ocean, and that is just it's surreal actually being down yeah. there, especially when on beautiful days as it is today, when you've got a group down there, or even in, in the more challenging weather, yeah, when that absolutely. rain's really coming down and the group seems to bond together through, you know, the fact that they're either experiencing. You know the, the the sun and the joys of it, or even huddling round and in, in yeah. the rain whilst they're taking on what is a quite a challenging activity. And and what it is, and what we explain to to the groups is this is a real experience. This mm. is not going to be a contrived one. It's not going to be um, on an in, indoor wall, or it's not going to be something that is maybe a two-hour quick fix that they can just walk away from at the end of it. Mm. They're going to have to deal with what the day throws at them. So. Mm. That could be, as you say, nice and sunny and balmy and, mm. and relaxing, or it could be a full-on gale, and we're still out there and we're still working. Yeah, still going to get through yeah. those activities and yeah. get the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely great. And let's chat a little bit about those fantastic instructors that you have at the site. That is a, you know, a, a big kind of difference that I've noticed through the, the different centres that I've been through around the country at different times. Is is the quality of those people who are responsible for leading the activities yeah. and. From what I've witnessed, your centres offer the highest level and those guys are really passionate about not only uh, engaging the young people in activity, having fun, but those being challenged to that level you spoke about, but also taking learning away from those sessions. Yeah, and, and, and they are passionate. It's, um, and, and I think really the bottom line is for 
staff working in our type of work is you've got to want to do it mm. at the end of the day it's the best job in the world it has yeah. to be because where else to get those environments yeah. and working with groups that generally want to succeed so mm. um but you've got to be able to pitch it in such a way that you're looking at a group in its entirety so you want the group to develop but you want every individual to develop so mm. the where um, our service staff really excel and we've done a lot of work around this collectively as a staff team right across the, the three centres is being able to identify how to um, develop an individual and then they feed into what that group success looks like mm. so it's not generic they don't teach one-off sessions yeah. and pull that lesson off the yeah. shelf that's the key mm. Mm. I think and then within all of that the reviewing that takes place um, and the way they handle the review will then mean that each individual is left knowing what they've achieved because they've worked that one through for themselves mm. and how they can use that level of success in and to feed that into the next session mm. and you take that to its logical conclusion it's how to feed that success and that building of confidence into their everyday lives and mm -hmm. uh, and transfer that across yeah that's great and you certainly have uh, across all three centers um that the, the teams have a great way of, uh, of certainly reviewing and uh, tackling the kind of day ahead yeah. um and uh, that all starts with the morning meeting yeah absolutely the um, the end point of the day um the, the previous day is the start point for the following morning so um, following on from the, the staff meeting where we set the scene for what's going to happen during the day then each of the uh, instructors each of the tutors will then sit down with their group and start then afresh building on what they've already succeeded so the one of the strengths that we have is that we can put a tutor with a group for the whole duration of the course that's what we try mm. and do yeah so every day becomes cumulative yeah so if somebody struggles in an activity they're not that's not a one-off mm. failure or whatever mm. that then becomes part of the challenge for the following day yeah and uh, and within that you can build a, a succession plan mm. if you like a progression plan mm. um, which is differentiated out to each individual yeah. that's the key mm. yeah, you raise a really good point there i think when you go along to centers and you're constantly being given a different activity structure each session you're not building rapport and nor is that instructor really getting to know where that young person's comfort zone is and challenges and yeah. what they've achieved already so that person can then assess where they need to give praise and where they need to also get them to uh, kind of stretch themselves yeah absolutely and um I do question sometimes the value of that type of approach because, yeah, it's quick fix, it's high thrill entity, you know, and, and you can have that, that approach and say, yeah, we can keep moving it on, everybody gets involved. Mm. But actually, what goes on beyond that? And that's the bit that we're interested in, you know, in, in seeing how people react on day two or mm. day three or day four, mm. and particularly when they start getting tired. Mm because that's life people get tired you know and they've got to understand that they'll react in a different way so if we can help them realize mm. through the activities that they're doing that if they get tired just begin becoming 
uh, ratty with somebody, for example, yeah. is not really the best way of achieving success. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a whole new set of life skills that come through that. So it's not just that thrills and spills approach. It's a much longer term approach that we like to take. Yeah. And that runs through the, the spirit of the course. Yeah. You, you now have so. me wondering how those centers, which are reliant on having different activity structure, uh, activities being run by the different instructors, could support that young person through the whole week when they don't necessarily have the benefit of what you have at your site with the same kind of person uh, supporting them throughout. Um, and I do wonder whether or not it's uh it's the kind of place for i'm sure you experience this more with the schools but for the for the teacher or the leader who's staying with that group following through and then liaising yeah. with your guys i think if you're in that scenario where there's lots of quick fix activities the job of the teacher then is to make sure they've got that continuity yeah so that group leader has got to be able to deliver that mm. um whereas when they they come through our type of system they've still got to deliver it yeah but it's in a in a much more supportive way because they can see the progression and the key for that is for that um, group leader if that is the class teacher if it's a school group they can then look at that and they can see that child tick on any one day and say, right, I can harness that. That's my way into that child for the next 12 months or whatever period of time they've got left with that class. Mm -hmm. and, and out of that, it's, it's really interesting. Over the years, I've deliberately pushed that line, particularly with primary schools. So one of our peak booking times is now in the early part of the first term, the September, October oh, time. Yeah because schools want to build on that yeah so it enables teachers to see how their uh, their students are going to react and and that's exactly the same principle for ncs of course mm -hmm. because if you've got somebody that reacts really positively in the face of a difficult challenge mm -hmm. actually they can draw on that for weeks three and four yeah yeah definitely and uh, and that gives them the confidence to say actually i can do this mm -hmm. which is really important i think that's a that, for me, is one of the key messages that we've got to get out there. It's a transferable skill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, in regards to the programmes that you're delivering from the centres, you've obviously had NCS now with you for, I believe, seven years mm -hmm. coming through the doors, um, and uh, that's across all three sites. Now, what other programmes are you working with, and, and do they have the similar kind of uh, maybe challenges that NCS does working with that 16-, 17-year-old higher age range? So, for instance, I believe you guys work with DOV? Yeah, yeah. We, um, we're not doing as, as many DV courses as we used to, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just uh, a natural tail-off in demand. Mm -hmm. uh, but also the fact that um, within some schools they've developed their own areas of expertise to be able to do things in-house in anyway. But um, at that age group, we're running um, A-level A courses, A and A-S-level courses, as they were, across the centres, and... Another interesting one that is a really good parallel is uh, a four-week block, three-week block, sorry, um, that runs for a group training organisation, which is Apprentices. Oh, great. Excellent. So yeah. that takes it through from really 17 upwards. Yeah, yeah, great. And, uh, and it, it's, it's a very interesting programme to run. Yeah, how does that work with the Apprentices? Um, it's great because one of the pressure points for the apprentices is that uh, and they're brought through by the, the organization that handles their mm -hmm. courses um, they have to 
provide a presentation back to their employer oh wow based on that week so we help them and guide them towards some of the things that they could say but only if they really mean it so they've got to achieve it yeah yeah definitely and, uh, and that's the pressure on the apprentice yeah so sure. it's not coming in and, and just you know letting fly and having a great time they've actually got quite a big chunk of work to do there yeah. um, and at the same time the um, the organization that manages them um, encourages them to keep a diary of what's going on mm. and that forms part of their personal progress uh, and that's in that's used each morning at the morning meetings with them brilliant so it becomes um, a progress driven thing and, yeah uh, yeah excellent and we and we get a lot of buy into that they're hugely successful courses we've been running them for probably 12 15 years now yeah. so it's an integral part of um that training organization yeah yeah sounds great and the employers buy into it yeah yeah and definitely. occasionally employers will come down to visit the centers or visit uh, Kilbrew when it's running at Kilbrew to have a look at what's going on. Mm. So they touch base and, and do their own monitoring to see that it is value for money. Yeah, so these yeah. employers really do see the value in yeah, those young absolutely. people attending it. And what kind of outcomes do they expect to or typically see from, from this? They're looking for increasing in confidence, problem solving, um, that type of cooperative skill as well. So... Um, in terms of the, the individuals, their ability to work as part of a team, uh, which c then transcends into the workplace. Mm -hmm. So it's all those traditional things that we would talk about, but actually seeing them for real in their workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's how they measure whether it's value for money. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's an important bit because that's an employer investing in, in an employee. Yeah. To say, yeah. we value this. Yeah. yeah. That's that's really great, and it makes me think uh, even more added value to the likes of uh, DOV and, and NCS, where young people are getting to experience residentials and those those kind yeah. of challenges and outcomes that the centres provide. You know, prior to even being, you know, maybe even considering the workplace. Absolutely, and uh, another course that um, that we provide down at Kilbrew is with Oxford Brooks Uni. Um, and we look at their PGCE course and also their, usually their year two B.Ed. So you've got teachers coming in mm. who are still mm. um, being trained, if you like, mm. haven't gone through that university process. And uh, we, we have them for three days and ask them to work out why it is they should use centre like Kilbrew mm, which is mm. part of the Oxfordshire Outdoors bit and the brief is for them to unpick what we do to challenge everything mm. and um, and then rebuild their information based on the year group they're going to teach yeah and that's always interesting yeah. because and the team love working on that because they're going to be asked to justify the, everything they do mm. and how that fits into uh, a school-based curriculum so that keeps everybody thinking and it's a great motivator mm. but of course the end product of that is to see a teacher that's gone through or a, a graduate that's come through Oxford Brooks get a job in Oxfordshire and then come back to yeah. one of the centres saying well actually we've been there so we know about this yeah yeah that's perfect yeah. and thinking about those uh, leaders and teachers which are coming into the the residential setting what is it that they need to really be considering or you know doing before they arrive to ensure that their group has the best possible time? They 
there's a couple of things that they really need to be on top of. The first thing is they need to understand the value and they need to identify within that, identify the benefits. And that's the starting point. So what is this, um, this week going to be about? What is it we're going to try and achieve and how are we going to achieve it? And once they've got that plan in their mind, they need to ask their group. Mm. And with school groups, they can do that. It's more difficult, obviously, um, when you're recruiting for a, a different event. But with a school group, there's absolutely no reason why the teacher shouldn't sit down and say to every child attending that course, what do you want to achieve during this week? What are the big aims for you? And talk through that with the group so that they understand what it is that they're aiming for as well. Mm. And uh, it, it's, it's quite revealing. Some of the data that we get back as part of our evaluations tell us that when that has been achieved, when that pre-course preparation is in place, the course runs better mm. and the outcomes are stronger, much, much stronger. Mm. And, and that's absolutely what it's about for me. Yeah. So actually what we deliver... Uh, we use the outdoors as the the medium for delivering that personal development mm. and enabling those individuals to succeed. Mm. So preparation is really key yeah, on part of those, of those yeah. leaders. Preparation and clear identification of what it is they want to get out of it. And what, yeah. what do you think the difference is in terms of the, the practicals and the, uh, the impact that those leaders and teachers can have once they arrive at the centre and that they're engaged. And I, I do recall a, an example that you gave me where you said you were really pleased that with, uh, with some leaders that we had on the NCS programme where the bus had arrived early, the, um, the, it was something to that effect, the bus had arrived early or there, there'd been some form of incident where, where the young people needed to be engaged before yeah. they could go on activity. And those leaders got the young people off the coach and started engaging them in their own like kind of activities before... The, the centre even Absolutely. had to get involved, and yeah. that's key. Um, and that example was a classic of, example of, of how that preparation works. Um, because what happened there, I think there were two coaches coming on site. One was delayed slightly. Yeah. And, uh, and so they didn't sit back. They didn't say, oh, we'll wait for the other coach to arrive yeah. and expect something to happen. Mm. There's a lot of initiative, and that comes through the, the training that had gone on with those leaders. Mm. And they just said, right, we're here. The course starts for this group here. Yeah. Let's get going. Yeah. And then when the other coach came back on, we just got back on track and got everybody together to do what yeah. we needed to do. So that type of proactive thinking is mm. vital. I don't think um, in any setting there is a great deal of value uh, in just sitting back and handing over a group to an organisation mm. say, get mm. on with it mm. because it's a missed opportunity. You know, and for teachers, um, what they need to assess, I know it, you know, in terms of the hours they put in are excessive and, it's really, and it is hard work. However, they've got an enormous number of contact hours with their classes, with their children, and they've got to make those work to the best possible value. Mm. Uh, they won't get that. If you analyse in a secondary school how many hours a geography teacher will have with a class and then work that one out across the term time, 
if they come away for five days, they'll have considerably more hours with mm. that group mm. in that five-day period. Mm. So they've got to make an impact. Mm. They've got to use that effectively mm. and apply that principle to any leader. Mm. You know, how do you make the best of what time we've got available with that group? Mm. Mm. And I think that's really important with NCS groups. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and we've seen a lot of change over the years with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Certainly, well, with the Oxfordshire and CS yeah. groups, definitely. Yeah, of course. And yeah. there's been lots of um, lots of changes across the country, naturally, certainly from the, the first year when we yeah, came oh, to you, definitely. just from the, the way that the programme yeah. looks um, through to the amount of times we're, we're, yeah. we're coming to you now yeah. um, throughout, throughout the year. So staying on theme with uh, NCS and, and how it's kind of looking, naturally, you're obviously very well um connected throughout the country and, and respected in your role what 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 are you observing with NCS at the moment and what kind of questions are maybe being asked I think um, the the big challenge NCS has to face is being realistic in its aspiration for engagement and the the big questions around that and we're this is what I'm getting around the country is the um, the push that comes through to get larger numbers through the centres, mm. but the the reality is those numbers are not being achieved. Mm. And I think that is a trend that people are saying, you know, mm. is a challenge for them mm. because they'll book out a centre or book mm. X number of places and um, if those places are not filled, mm. we all know that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. And, and from Oxfordshire outdoor staff point of view, it is... They feel disappointed when the numbers aren't what when they they're expect. not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And yeah. that's been a, a kind of theme across the talks that we've had so far. Is like when you look at that coach and there's an empty seat there, you have to kind of look at the fact that there's, you know, that's a, that's exactly. a wasted place that yeah. uh, a, that could have been a life changed, an impact to a Absolutely. community, yeah. and, and and really take it that way. So I guess it, yeah, your guys are really seeing that at the the centres when yeah. when a, a smaller number that rise than than kind of anticipated. Um, yeah, that's that's really difficult. So, so it, where do you think things are going to go with the residential centres and that kind of um, uh, working with the NCS? Like, we, we're hearing that there's potentially going to be some changes coming forward where uh, the NCS may directly be working with the centres or certainly sourcing the smaller providers to help access residential sites. Is is there a, is there a positive relationship there at the moment from the um, uh, from the end of the residential centres? I think so, and I think. Um, I mean, certainly from Oxfordshire outdoors. Yeah, of course, there always we really has been. We value that yeah. work because we believe in it. Yeah, I think the the big issue for NCS is to ensure that that belief, that confidence from the smaller centres into NCS, is there. And I think that is the major challenge. You know, it's it's always going to be a difficult process because mm. of the way the recruitment operates. Mm. But somewhere along the line, I think the acceptance that um, you can provide a worthwhile course. And I, and I think part of that quality assurance bit needs to kick in now. Mm. NCS has been around long enough, but what we haven't seen is really good evidence that that particular week, that residential week, is being quality assured. Mm. And I think it needs to do that, mm. to say... Um, not so much that it's value for money, but actually it's having an impact. Mm. It's the right thing to do. Mm. And bear that against that, the pressure that NCS is coming under through various MPs and 
um, a lot of what I consider to be ill-informed comment coming mm. out of the political sector, mm. and I think that's p probably driven because NCS at one point had a fairly large budget. Mm. Mm. Um, it's how much you value the investment in young people. Mm. We know the outcomes of young people um, when they are properly served mm. can have a massive impact. Mm. We're seeing that with with the Oxfordshire NCS. Mm, mm. We can see the changes, but we also pick up, and because of my links with the county, I pick up some of the impact mm. of the, the work in the community-based projects mm. as well, mm. because we see that. Mm. Um, so in terms of value for money, I, d I don't think it's a problem at mm. all, personally. I think it's excellent value mm. for money, but um, there's some work for NCS to do to convince the wider audience. The wider to, audience, yeah. yeah. And what do you think, though, yeah. maybe those centres that haven't been involved in NCS or uh, you know, maybe haven't have chosen not to be involved, what, what do they maybe need to smooth that relationship over? They need the confidence to work with the provider. Mm. Absolutely the confidence. Now, we worked it in a different way because we've always had the Oxfordshire connection. Mm. So we've been dealing largely with Oxfordshire young people mm. and we've seen that growth. And some of those students, some of those participants have come through the centres at a younger age. So we're seeing that repeat and that mm. cycle mm. Um, take effect. For a centre, if I was um, an independent centre now and I wanted to start NCS off and I was looking at that, I would want the to have a really strong conversation with a provider that's not going to hold me down to how many bags of crisps I provide, mm. but actually question me on the quality of the experience I'm going to provide. And mm. I think um, some of the conversations I've had with colleagues mm. around the country mm. where they've turned away from it is because of the former. Mm. They have been questions on budgets mm. rather mm. than quality. Mm. So... Mm. You know, they've said, well, actually, we're not going to go there. We're not going to com compromise our quality. Mm. And I think that's a question for some NCS providers mm. to look at. Mm. You raise a really interesting point there about the, the, the kind of food versus the quality. And, and I think when you think about the, uh, the kind of scoring systems and the surveys which are done, the young people don't really have any benchmarks for where they can rate the activities like that they're all they're all great and fun and kind of that but the, the, the food and stuff like that if it just wasn't to their liking they just go no it's awful and then yeah. score it really low and, and maybe that's why a lot of these centers as well are being kind of pushed more around in that angle around that than the actual activities themselves and, and they could well be you know it it's more difficult for a smaller center to provide a menu of course, than yeah. a larger centre yes, that's used to a thousand students yeah. that can provide a cafeteria service. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so the trick is to try and hit on meals that you've got a good idea that most 16-year-olds will take and they'll say, yeah, we can cope with that for mm. three days or four days. Mm. And, they'll, and they'll go with that. Yeah, and and also you know having uh, had uh, Mark Higgins from UFA uh, on on a previous episode, he he spoke about how you can give the young people everything they want, and they're going to give glowing, you know, glowing um, feedback in terms of their experience. But that wasn't necessarily what was right for them in terms of the outcomes and the level of Absolutely. challenge that they needed. Like, yeah. he, I think he, he joked around saying, you know, I'll give them all pizzas and they can have a film on every night and yeah. that, they're going to score everyone, you know, really yeah. high. But And I, I believe Salby also questioned the scorings that the 
that the staff members were maybe getting from young people around um you know their their performance or how the young person got on with them and and that again could be for the wrong reasons so it's it's about that um, external person maybe coming in and observing or the organization or the center or everyone feeding back collectively into that now one of the things that we do uh, in oxfordshire outdoors when we're getting evaluation material back from our groups um, we're asking the groups questions and we're asking the visit leader to be objective and very similar style of questioning so we can match up with what the group give us in terms mm. of a, an answer um, and we can see whether the visit leader agrees with that mm. so we get two levels of assessment but mm. this bears in mind that most teachers these days are very used to that type of evaluation mm. because they're doing it all the time in their jobs mm. they're analyzing their own performance that those of peers those in management are analyzing more widely so it's the norm for them when we start to do that at um, at an ncs level it becomes a different type of assessment and that's where i think it would be really useful to have an objective view of what's going on mm. and that objective view is somebody that's not part of that particular program mm. coming in and just analyzing and looking and knowing what they're looking for mm. so as you say you know we could feed pizzas every day of the week mm. and everybody gives it a big tick mm. we could actually put a level of activity that is just fun and games mm. but with actual mm. no you know no development mm. no real mm. challenge attached mm. to it it could get a high mark but if somebody's there looking at what that is really achieving they might question what that activity is for mm. so it, it's about the whole experience so within that you've got the whole experience from day one of the program to day 30 or however long you know that that will run for and also that that analysis has to apply mm. longitudinally as well i think mm. so it's not a one-off mm. experience mm. for any young person it's mm. actually this cumulative thing mm. Mm. um and i think that's a, a piece of work for ncs to do mm. Mm. I, I have a concern in terms of our work that the quality assurance bit is not being met we're, we're not all singing off the same sheet for sure mm. you know i think just the the concept that during the summer you'll see pop-up adventure activity providers mm, mm, mm. and if they're not doing it all the year round mm. then are they providing Quite, mm. the right sort of experience for that group mm, mm. Um, so so there's a bit of a, a narrative communication needed with the the residential centers or the industry that, yeah. that this is happening and yeah. you know this is how we're we're measuring that and ensuring it happens absolutely yeah. because um, if you get it right the opportunities are now there um, and as an example of that um, in our if for want of a better word the sector the outdoor sector um, we've just had an apprenticeship scheme that has been uh, ratified so it's now a formal outdoor education or outdoor learning apprenticeship mm. so what we would like to think is that if you provide the right opportunities for the NCS groups then coming out of that there is an opportunity for either a participant or a member of staff because they could be young enough to be able to jump onto that could take that a step further and get into some formal training mm. 
Mm. Um, some of the larger organisations offer that training mm. anyway, mm. but in a different way. But now it's it's a formal apprenticeship. That's so great. It's a brilliant opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It starts to present itself. Yeah, that's really great. And we obviously see that a lot with young people coming through the centres that they ask, "Oh, how can I go about working yeah. here or getting into this?" And that's a yeah. natural progression there for them. Yeah, it is. And uh, years ago, we used to do it through different opportunities, different ways. There could be um, a voluntary instructor scheme, for example, mm. um, that, that would operate. One of the things that we want to, that certainly I want to bring into Oxfordshire Outdoors is a formal pathway. Mm. So I want to be able to take this opportunity of saying we're working with these groups to this age group. If you want to get involved, this is how you can do it. Mm. Um, few years ago and and we know this works because a few years ago we had an apprenticeship scheme in Oxfordshire mm. which unfortunately got cut out mm. part of the a casualty of the cuts mm. but one of the staff at Kilvrew came through that apprenticeship and um, spent a year with us at Kilvrew and the staff team and I opened it up to the staff team so it wasn't my decision mm. um, not in entirety anyway the staff team all agreed that we should offer him a, a full-time post. So that progression is yeah, there. We can yeah. make that happen. Yeah, it's available, yeah. And it would be brilliant to think that somebody that comes through the NCS mm. scheme mm. says, actually, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So we can point them into the direction yeah. of that training so that eventually they come back into the system. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we've really been looking to address during programme talks is the opportunities available to young people not just after NCS, but any any program really where they've they've started to develop, they've yeah. shown that uh, uh, want to keep progressing, and it's not it, you know it's not always available to them after they finish a program. Yeah. So being able to to go to something like this would be would be fantastic. It would be, and um, and I think that's part of the work that we've got to do as a sector is mm -hmm. to create more opportunities for young people to say right, okay. You know, give it a go. See what yeah. you think. Yeah, I know from my lifetime in this work that the impact that this has, mm. and uh, every now and again, I bump into people that we set on their way and mm. and put them on that pathway, mm. and they've made a success of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's fantastic to see because you know ultimately you've just steered them down a route that they've made their own. Yeah, um, and that's as much as you do. Everybody's got to make it for themselves. But if you know that they could do that, yeah. and they're confident enough to make those decisions, mm -hmm. yeah, know, then it uh, will be interesting changes. to know in in X amount of years' time how many young people have entered the youth industry, the outdoor activities, the charitable sector yeah. as a result of taking part in in programs such as NCS and the DOV. I, I know lots of the the staff that I've met and spoken to over the years have, have said that their love came from being a participant. Yeah. Of, of a you yeah. know a residential centre or, or a program, absolutely, and um, and that evidence, although largely in, in, up until fairly recently was anecdotal, mm. that evidence is starting to be looked at in different mm. ways. Great. So there is now the availability of more hard-edged evidence, mm. which is coming from uh, some independent research models. So universities are looking at that as part of. Um, studies and so on to say this is the impact mm. there's been some fantastic um, research into the financial impact of outdoor learning mm. um, probably about four years ago now um, 
it was the I can't remember who published it, but the the document was called Reconomics, and it looked at the impact of the outdoors on local economies, and it provides some really interesting mm. figures about the huge impact that it has, and that includes people that are coming into the work as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's there. We know that mm. it's the, the benefits. Of the benefits are very very mm. achievable. Mm. Um, the trick is just to make it more apparent so that funders can say, yeah, actually, this is yeah. a worthwhile cause. Yeah. And we're here today recording at the uh, the Hill End Centre, which is uh, affectionately the phase two for the Oxfordshire yeah. NCS. And, uh, you know, you can you can see the impact that these these sites have on on people when you know we have the parents drop the young people off and i recall one occasion where the grandparents got out the parents got out and they they all recall having been here at one stage in their lives and they they just lit up and they wanted to come around the site and have a look around and kind of they remembered all those experiences that they had had here many years ago so i think whether even if it doesn't necessarily direct your um your your kind of work path or the career that you go into it certainly gives you those lifelong memories that where you you certainly may have overcome something absolutely and uh, one of the things i often say to new heads in oxfordshire is just sit back and analyze what the tradition is in your local community mm. the tradition of use of the oxfordshire centers mm. and that's not just our three that's hill end as mm. well because at one point we we're all part of the same service and that goes back 50 years or so mm. it's coming up to 50 years you mm. know so um and just picking up on that and talking as a new head talking to parents talking to um, people in the community about where their children mm. have been and mm. so on mm. i do it in a different way you know for years i used to when i was coming down for meetings and so on if i was staying over i would try and stay in a pub in a village in a different mm. village yeah. and i'd just sit there and i'd talk to people taking the local yeah, yeah yeah and i wouldn't tell them where i was from mm. i would just slip it into a conversation mm. to see what that response would mm. be and that was oh we sent our kids there. Oh, I've been there. Mm. And then the conversation opens up yeah. and you really see that traditional uh, of impact, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and it's the reputation mm. that goes with that. Mm. So Oxfordshire is very lucky in having that um, long-standing reputation. Mm. And that feeds into all of the centres. Mm. And of course, as you say, it's sometimes it's generational there that impacts on on that young person making a choice as well yeah to, to actually attend yeah. it so yeah the, the, yeah definitely that that bit around being able to get the parents and families and communities invested in the fact that these young people are attending centers that maybe they themselves are attended absolutely or have served that area there's yeah. something to be said about that great so at the moment um i believe nationally locally providers are, are really looking to um, see how they can improve their comms and message of of certain programs um and in, in particular with ncs the need for every young person to be attending a residential for the first week some young people naturally kind of turn off switch off when oh i don't like water mm. activities and it's like you know their biggest fear so then that, that they've kind of ruled the whole idea of of attending um ncs but because of that do you see any ways around that is there any thoughts that you have about how you might be able to engage young people there are um, and that will come down to the ncs recruitment mm. so uh, and, and it's pre-planning 
because you could, in theory, get to the point where you can meet with those participants and say to them, right, this is what the course could look like, but actually we could reshape it if we needed to. Mm. And if we can get it to the point where instead of that level of apprehension means that they opt out because they think they're going to have to go on the water, they don't like wearing a wetsuit or whatever, if you could shape that mm. and have a bit more time with the group in terms of their perception of what's going on then you could shape the program mm. and it and it would be possible to do that mm. but what makes it more difficult is um, that time factor and you're not working with a single school group so if that crops up as a school group for example it's very easy to deal with mm. and you have that conversation because the the participants are coming from a variety of sources I appreciate the pressure in terms of getting them all together before the event to actually discuss all of these issues is that much more difficult mm. for for leaders to achieve mm. and i'm not sure if it is going to be possible mm. um, but it, in theory it should be because that's what we do mm. Mm. if a school tells us they don't want to go caving we don't go caving yeah. it's simple you know yeah. we're not going to impose it we we'll say right let's put something in mm. of equal value Mm. we'll give you a couple of ideas mm. yeah, yeah. And, and I know firsthand that once a young person gets on that bus and gets to the centre of those ones that are apprehensive 99.9% .9 of them are going to enjoy it and have a great yeah. time yeah. the challenge is to obviously get them yeah. on that bus and get them there to overcome Absolutely. that initial challenge Yeah, because of, when, they, when they arrive in the centre even though it is going to be a big challenge in environment for them you know having to share rooms and having to be part of uh, that group for a week we're going to support them and the quality of the NCS staff that are coming through certainly in Oxfordshire mm. what we've seen over the years is that dynamic has changed mm. so that they understand what those apprehensions and anxieties look and feel like partly because some of them have been through the experience of course yeah, yeah so exactly, we're getting yeah. a recycling effect yeah um and the, so they can sit down with these with the participants and and discuss with them yeah. the issues and that having that time to do that is really really important yeah and let's, let's talk a little bit now about um again with those young people who might be more apprehensive or require the additional support the the inclusion side of things and the the tailored approaches to ensuring that every young person is going to get the best possible um experience whilst with you at the centers yeah and it, it's really important that we address that in a really open and fair way in terms of how we assess it um I've just spent the last day and a half training groups of teachers around some of the issues there. And, it, and it's all about making it happen. Mm. And that's the starting point. You're making it happen. So if that's your premise, you then work out what you need to do to make it happen. Mm. Um, so when we're talking about inclusion issues, usually there are levels of support that need to be in place to make it happen. So if a young person requires a certain level of support, um, particularly if, if you look at the school situation, mm. um, maybe they're on a one-to-one -one support for the week or maybe it's a medical, physical support or whatever, what really needs to happen if we're going to be successful on a residential is that level of support extends into the residential. Mm. And I think this is, is critical to the whole inclusion issue. Mm. Where it 
doesn't work is when we put a young person into a situation without the support mm. and you expose their frailties. Yes, and yeah, of course. Then, then it, it, it becomes negative. Yeah, setting them up, up to fail, up to essentially. Fail. Yeah, and, uh, and that's not a good place to be for anybody. Mm. So um, we spoke a little bit about... Uh, the apprenticeship offer that's available to young people as a kind of progressional path. What what um what opportunities there may be out there for you know staff around the country who have been through the programs worked on the DOV and NCS and the scouts and so on who who want to enter the outdoor industry for instance come and work for the Oxfordshire centres. I think the way things are shifting at, at present is the because now we've got um, an NCS provision which is actually committed in place, you know, so we're not seeing that as just a one-off. Mm. It's now got its mm. own yeah. longevity. I think employers can start to look at that and say, right, we need a specialist skill set here. Mm. And this is where the opportunities can arise. Mm. And because the, um, you look at some of the, the programs, uh, seven, eight, nine weeks duration, you know, they're the full hit. Mm. Now, if they're going to be that length of time, you want staff that are able to support the NCS programs mm. that understand it mm. and buy into it mm. and say actually we can develop this as part of our overall package mm. and I think there are opportunities that will start to surface that around surface. that because you can take those skills and transfer them into the rest of the year and and look at different programs mm. within that structure mm. so induction courses for sixth forms for example mm. induction courses for universities and for colleges mm. and it's it, the same guiding principles would would say we can we can do something here for you mm. so i think that you know it's the emergence of a skill set um it's still young in its in its day if you like but i think that there's a piece of work there that that could happen that would say these leaders are coming through and developing these skills mm. and actually we need to harness them mm, mm, yeah. because some very very good people mm. come through and we see that yeah some talented people yeah yeah i do wonder if there will be a, a complete surge in that i know there's you know there's certain international pathways that maybe some of these yeah. seasonal staff look to yeah. naturally gravitate towards especially with uh, the, some of the social action links that are there yeah. um but yeah entering the the outdoor industry as well that that sounds like something that could certainly be be feasible and of course if you know particularly if they're coming in with those background outdoor skills mm. so if they've got those skills yeah. in the first place this is a really big bolt on that mm. they can present mm. okay so kevin let's talk a little bit about the teams that you have across your centers and uh, they're obviously working incredibly hard across the, the the term time and then they're going straight into kind of summer delivery. How do you go about keeping all those teams well uh, well connected and, uh, and I guess motivated in their roles? Um, there's lots of different ways we do that on, on different levels. One of the things that we can offer first up is flexibility of when they can take leave mm. within reason obviously mm, so mm. Um, if somebody comes in and they wanted to leave to go and do a trip or whatever mm. you know we'll try and make that happen mm. um, so at that level there's an opportunity right through to making sure that we can provide the right training and development opportunities um, so within Oxfordshire Outdoors even though we are um, quite a distance from each other 
um, we physically work together mm. so we can get staff moving around the centres and uh, and making sure they experience the uh, the ethos of that centre because they're part of that overall service. We do it through peer-to-peer -peer monitoring from, so that they can come in and offer, if, particularly if they are an expert in their field, um, they can come in and offer some advice at a different level. So that's not just top-down stuff, that's coming mm -hmm. right across the board. Um, we meet together once a year um, with a formal day, so that's a developmental day. Um, and plus there are opportunities for informal stuff. So staff teams tend to go out together because it, it's easier for them to do that rather than wait for somebody to travel a couple of hours to get there. But they'll do that typically of an evening um, after work in the summer. They mm. might go for a, uh, a climb. Or yeah, a I remember the guys doing it when I was there last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we do it at lots of different levels to make sure that people are uh, are keeping their own interests up and mm. I think that is critical for mm. our work if staff go out and do their own thing then that enthusiasm and passion is reflected in their work in the day yeah 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 I remember one of the guys I, I can't recall um, his name but he was saying that he was going down the caves and um, that day and he was taking a group down there and he was excited and passionate to be going to do it and I, I, I can't recall how many it was a ridiculous amount of times he'd been down there it was over the high hundreds or even thousands yeah. of times he's been down into the same caves the same kind of I guess the routes that he takes the young people but anyone would have thought it was like one of his first times in terms of his enthusiasm and, and yeah. I guess the skills and the that he's bringing to it and the learning for those young people is just incredible because he knows it like the back of his hands yeah it is and um, and a lot of the work that we've done with with our staff teams is recognition about one simple fact and Part of that brief when I, when I started this process off was to say to people, you know that cave inside out, you could go around it blindfold. What you don't know is how the group that you're going to take in there will react. Mm. You just don't know that mm. because these are all new to the mm. experience. Of course. So if the focus is on those participants and how they're going to react and harness in that and really, really pushing that bit, then actually... You don't get stale with the with the venue mm. when you do, when you're not picking up on what the groups are doing and you then say this is just an off-the-shelf session that and you stale with the venue that's when it flatlines mm. and the groups don't get the most out of it mm. and of course um, you have to have that absolute recognition that every group is special mm. so because we're dealing with groups that come for uh, that five-day period, and we were looking at that progression, you can say, right, this is your big chance, this is your big opportunity, mm. so let's maximise it. Mm. And that's the sort of approach they take. You know, we've got a very committed group right across the service, mm. and uh, and I'm confident in every member of that staff team to be able to deliver that. Mm. They don't deliver off-the-shelf mm. sessions, mm. and it's quite amazing. It's quite special, really. Yeah, and that's what we spoke yeah. about, wasn't it? Start the the quality of those those yeah. staff delivering those sessions is really what makes the the difference. Absolutely, they want individuals to succeed, mm. and they want them to understand that if they put a little bit of effort into it and challenge themselves, that success will come through. Yeah, and that is their really special skill. 
mm. and we're very fortunate in uh, within the service to have those and we've worked hard at developing those mm. yeah those yeah. attributes you know it uh, and the team across the service have been involved with that that mm. again that's not top down thing it's by design mm. that we've said let's make sure we get to that point mm. that's one of the the key attributes of our service and how do centers who maybe aren't as well as established as as yourselves almost not I was going to use the word fast track, but you said it comes in time. But how how can they try and get there a little bit quicker than than maybe it's taking yourself? I think to to get to that point, they need to have a very clear aim of of what it is their courses are about, what Mm. the the end result should look like. Mm. Um, And once they've got that, once they've determined what it really is that their centre is about, then they can plan that journey. They, Mm. They can then start to think, right, if that's what we're about, how do we enable our staff to get to that point mm. um and and it, it sounds simplistic takes a bit of effort yeah, and, of and a lot of work to get there yeah. and you've got to get the staff to buy into it mm. so the easiest way of doing that is get the staff teams to own it mm. and drive the development themselves yeah yeah and uh, and that way that motivation kicks in mm. uh, and also to be self-analytical of course and self-critical because sometimes it might not work mm. so you know they've got to work it out mm. and, and understand what it is that has happened mm. to uh, to bring that result around as well mm. so Kevin I now want to kind of turn attention to yourself if that's okay um, you've obviously uh, been managing the service across a period of, of change um, from the 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 service being um, under the local authority into uh, groundworks now, yeah. um, and and I'm sure that's you know that's brought its um, challenges. I, I know you seem very happy about the the, the changes, <laughs> and and you've dealt with it really well. But um, you know, talk talk to me a little bit about 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 your role and how you best you know keep yourself on track, given that you're you're managing lots of different staff, you're having to deal with all of these different changes, and and also picking up some of the pieces of uh, what's happening around the centers um right throughout that process and we're going back quite a few years now when all the pressure came on with the service i took one very simplistic view because i like to take that simple Mm. view of things and and make it happen Um, and when i could see how this was shaping up i went back to the staff team and said look give me the ammunition just provide me with the evidence that's all I need Mm. and I'll do that bit and Mm. I will fight the fight Mm. and that that evidence was based around high quality outcomes Mm. Mm. and I said if you can guarantee to me that everything I present is around this high quality outcome I can then go back to whoever I have to have the discussions Mm. with and and some of those discussions were pretty uh, full on as you could imagine because yeah, yeah. it was all based around budgets yeah of course but we could say that's going to be the case yeah and then we can start to build the case for what the service does how it functions and yes there will be changes and there's going to be some tough decisions mm. in all of that when there has to be mm. uh, and there have been but we're still here mm. um, and over the years that that is pretty remarkable because of late other services have disappeared Mm. And that's a real sad case to, you know, for those local authorities or those charities mm. Mm. where things have happened that have meant that they've lost a service. Mm. What it really means is those young people in those areas don't get the chance. Mm. And that is, that's mm. a scary proposition because mm. we've, 
were saying something negative to those young people. So it's really come down to you and your team and relying on those team members to, to kind of support the wider agenda of the, of the service yeah. moving forward. And, um, and the reality of that was, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a really simple ethos, I think, in my view. If you believe in it, own it. Mm. And if you own it, we'll make it happen. But don't put a banana skin into the system mm. because if you put banana skin into the system, everybody suffers. Mm. And um, and going back to the staff team through those difficult times and saying that to them and then giving them the information they needed to know to make their decisions. So that, that communication bit was really important. And they could make the, commission, the, uh, the decision. And the, basically what they were saying to me is, yeah, go and fight the fight for us. Mm. Um, and we'll carry on working in the outdoors and having the good times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they was, you know, because they did meant that we had that evidence and that was crucial, absolutely yeah. crucial. Okay. Yeah. That's great, Kevin. So um, I also want to ask you a little bit about whether or not you have a morning routine that gets you ready for fighting the good fights <laughs> or, or, you know, the enjoyment at the centres that you're having now. Um, not so much a morning routine, but I need my outdoor fix. Yeah, absolutely, I do. You know, I, if I go five days without being outside, I'm probably a different person. Yeah, and uh, and I do need, and it has to be in that natural environment. But the other thing I also need, and it's funny, I was, I was doing some analysis about this recently in a conversation with somebody. I still need that extra bit of fix. So I still need that. Um, challenge if you like that gives me what we call in our work some of us call it the dry mouth experience you know to stay there maybe at the top of a, an off-piece ski slope and say is this the right thing to be doing right yeah. now make the decision make yeah. the call and it keeps you current yeah absolutely it keeps you going so you go out and push yourself a little bit because when you do that you know what's happening with your groups yeah because they're experiencing exactly the same thing albeit at a different level yeah yeah sure but you know what they're going through yeah and sometimes you know you've just got to do that and i always encourage our instructors to do that go out and have your own challenge yeah push yourself and just get a touch base with what that feels like yeah, I think that's Being great advice. Uh, NCS have just uh, commissioned a piece with, um, I believe, they're, they're YouTubers or, or uh, of people of influence, and they've done a, a bit of a documentary around where these guys have actually gone and um, been challenged themselves. So yeah. they've gone back to some of their biggest fears to, to really give yeah. them into an insight into what, what lies on the other side of fear and how you can feel enlightened after you've yeah, put yourself absolutely. through that. So yeah, yeah. That, that's great. So so you mentioned skiing there. Is that what you'd say you'd do for your kind of relaxation um, and en energizing times? During the winter at the moment, that's, that's probably a big thing. Ski touring, mm. ski mountaineering is, uh, is a big attraction because it can put me in that that sort of more exposed position, if you like, or mm. I've got to make some real judgment calls to make it happen. Mm. Um, during the summer months, uh, sea kayaking, um, still enjoy going into the mountains at any time of the year. Yeah. So, you know, activities that... And, and also learning a new activity mm. is important. And, um, I, you know, I put a lot of faith in, in people doing that. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, my son was getting into windsurfing. Mm. So the natural progression is I either stand on the bank for four hours <laughs> yeah. and be bored or yeah. 
let's go out on a board and try it. Yeah, yeah, great. So then I learned how to windsurf. Yeah. And that throws all the learning bits into perspective because yeah. you've got to start from scratch. Mm. And that's not a bad thing to do. Mm. Yeah. And you then know what your people coming into the centres are actually going to feel like. Yeah. Because you're doing it. Yeah, you're you living and breathing that, that, yeah, that yeah. experience. And I think people need to do that, to touch base with themselves occasionally. Yeah. Just go out and do something completely different, mm. completely new, and gauge what it feels like. Because yeah. you think you can do it. Yeah, that's great actually, advice. it takes a bit of effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the case. Great. So, uh, Kevin, where do you, um, given that you're dealing with lots of different challenges at different times, and they could be varied from the actual participants through to the staffing, through to the venues, funders, and so on and so forth, what, how, how do you go about maybe sourcing solutions or creative ways to dealing with some of those challenges? You've got to, um, I think you've got to have a balance to all of this. You've got to you know, people talk about the spinning plates, whether you can only spin plates for so long. So you've got to have a really clear focus. Having a good network really counts. So I've got colleagues around the country, um, largely drawn from the work that we do, but also for the professional associations we belong to, mm. um, that if I need to discuss something, I can do that, whether that's on a formal basis or an informal basis. Mm. And that could be management-related, it could be activity-related, whatever. So building up that network is really important, I think. And how did you go about building up that network? Is that by attending events? or um, Partly through attending events, partly through... Um, meeting people in the early days as mm. instructors you know you would meet on the cliff or you'd meet on the river or yeah. whatever um, but these days a lot of it is through events yeah um, but you've got to you've got to actively seek that I think mm. um, so that you can you can then look at the problem that's been posed mm. so for me it could be a head of center style problem it could be an outdoor education advisor related issue. It could be a curriculum related issue. So I can come to an Oxfordshire head teacher and talk mm. to them. Mm. Um, or it could be a youth work based problem, you know, so that we could contact NCS or mm. whoever. So you build that level of, of networks up so that you can talk to people. And sometimes it's not a problem. You just need to talk, mm. you know, and, and kick around ideas. You might have a new idea. So what, yeah. kick it around you've mm. got to test it somewhere mm. um, let's see what that would look like on other professionals mm. that's great advice yeah. and uh, you've obviously got a really good profile within the sector and, and you, you know you, you like you said you've got a large network um, how did you go about kind of raising your profile and, and being so well known um, not deliberately I don't <laughs> think. I've never actively sought that <laughs> It just seemed to have happened with all the various uh, bits of work that I've ended up being involved with or jobs that I've done. You know, I've um, chaired the Association of Heads of Outdoor Education Centres. I've chaired the Advisors Panel, the Outdoor Education Advisors Panel. So by implication, your name is going to be out there mm. um, and done lots of work for those organisations at different levels. I've done lots of work for Oxfordshire at different levels. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty well known or was well known within the Oxfordshire head set up at one point before, mm. you know, things change mm. around that. So mm. um, 
it's just by virtue of the fact the work that I do, I think. Yeah. I've never, definitely never gone out to yeah. sort yeah. to actually. But but taking on that. those those chair roles, clearly yeah. that's yeah. that's certainly a way to uh, to certainly meet. It is, yeah. and and uh, it's a massive chunk of CPD for you. Yeah. To yeah. do that yeah. because you're suddenly in a different arena. Yeah. And the whole thing is is very different type of work than what you would normally be doing. Mm. That's mm. for sure. I'm certainly picking up from you, though. You would advise anyone who feels that they can bring value to it to, to give it a go oh, because it absolutely. benefited you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, even though things have changed dramatically in the time that I've been involved with this work, it's still the best job in the world. Yeah. Where else can you go out, work on a cliff face, yeah. on a river, on a mountain, yeah. day after day? Yeah. The uh, weather is the weather. It's you know you just appreciate the weather yeah. and you appreciate it more when the sun's shining and maybe a bit less when it's not but yeah yeah it's just a fantastic job great yeah. well i actually wonder where you're going to go with this next question then kevin so i'm going to ask you given that you've had such a fantastic enjoyable career if you could go back and give your 16 year old self any advice what might that be i'd just say go for it just go for it and really push what you can achieve because you just won't know what levels you can achieve if you choose to go down an activity route push it see where it takes you but take a balanced view of it and above all don't lose the passion for being in the outdoors mm. don't let it become a mundane job mm. if you become and and just accept that if it becomes a day-to-day -day job and that's all you're doing don't do it go mm. do something else mm. because you won't get the best out mm. of it if you do your own thing and really push for it, then actually you can go anywhere with this. Yeah. And uh, I've just seen so many examples of that over the years mm. of, of people that have been in very difficult positions as 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and we've just guided them down a route and you just watch them go on with it. Yeah. And it's great because they make a success of it yeah. and they do their own thing and they're successful and they've earned a living out of it and what more can you ask for yeah fantastic you know, it's a brilliant opportunity absolutely brilliant yeah. and i would say to anybody go for that yeah good stuff that's yeah. great advice kevin so kevin we're, we're drawing to a close now on the interview uh, but i i would like to just ask you if if there's any um kind of shout out to the audience listening that, that you have in regards to maybe that be um other programs coming to use the sites uh, as residential venues staff and volunteers or people who are maybe seeking advice is is that something that you're you're certainly open to and how do they Absolutely. go about doing that yeah yeah um you can look on the oxfordshire outdoors website all the contact details are there and if anybody has got any questions um, not just about using the service but if they're looking at greater research opportunities when they see our site they'll see that we've put up a lot or i've put up a lot of stuff on there that can help people in different ways so we're we're developing that site all the time and um and they can use that it's that material is there for people to use if they want help if they want some guidance or any advice to come through just make contact yeah and i went on the website yeah. last night and it's brilliant it's been updated and totally. some, yeah. some great stuff on there I was, I was having a little nose at the ncs page specifics yeah. and yeah some really great stuff yeah. so so yeah people can find all the details and i'll make sure i include it under the video links as well so That's they, great. they can get in touch yeah. with you that way so so kevin thanks so much for your time today no, coming on to program talks and uh, yeah thanks for everything you've done for me personally and for all the programs of it's oxfordshire that have come along